twin phantom scrambler. <laughs> well, he's certainly been good. Aw, Patty Marlin has her heart set on a Schwinn pixie. <laughs> Carrie Cochran <laughs> let us down this year. Oh. I don't think he deserves a Schwinn. Uh, give him something else. Clyde, <laughs> look. Oh, it is 616 Seattle's Morning News. A garage in Kirkland has been transformed into a magical workshop where a man is repairing and restoring bicycles for commuters, for collectors, and for more than 100 kids who needed transportation and also who needed a connection to the community. This is an uncharacteristically current story for our resident oh, historian. I, 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 I wouldn't quite go so far as to say that, Dave. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> yeah, you don't play the old Schwinn commercial, then hear like some update on, on Congress or the Supreme Court. So. <laughs> yes, that's true. So tell us about this place. <laughs> well, this is a, you know, that was an old Schwinn commercial from a few decades ago. You know, the holiday season's a great time to feel nostalgic about all kinds of things from the past. I got to visit this workshop a few weeks ago. It's this magical place filled with bicycles, new and old, some really old that just sort of push all the buttons of nostalgia, not just for Christmas past, but for America and craftsmanship and just the different times that weren't really all that long ago, uh, at least it seems to me anyway. Now, the workshop belongs to a guy named Chris Sharp. He's in his early 50s, been living and breathing bicycles since he was a little kid growing up on Rose Hill in Redmond. He worked in aviation logistics around the world, learned to speak Japanese and Arabic. He spent many years in bike shops before going into business for himself. Now, he knows the mechanical stuff. He's passionate and, knowledge and a knowledgeable expert. He's also generous, which we'll hear more about in a moment. Now, we looked at a bike he was working on for a local collector. It was a Schwinn Corvette from the 1950s. Chris Sharp has an eye for details, and if you pay attention, the stories those details tell. So check this out. Somebody's cuff wore the paint here on the top of the chain guard so much that the paint is literally gone, but the metal's not rusted. It's like it's polished. And the other cool thing here is this Schwinn logo and the Corvette part of the logo, I've been very carefully cleaning because this Schwinn and the Corvette is actually a decal. Uh -huh. But if you see the pinstripes, the pinstripes are actually hand-pulled pinstripes. Wow. So the pinstripes were actually painted. Is that on the hard bike. to do? If you're really experienced, you can do it pretty good. They also sometimes would have a, a form that you'd hold underneath your arm and you'd pull the pinstripes, but... I've pulled pinstripes on motorcycles and stuff and old vintage Harleys, and you you do need to have a steady hand to do it. You know, Chris's tip for painting pinstripes is you take a deep breath, then you breathe and paint, use the paintbrush. It's kind of a two-step thing. So, And he works on all kinds of bikes, you know, motocross, high-end custom bikes. He has customers who have new bikes shipped directly to him from the factory, and then he does the final assembly. He, he does it all. But he does have this special love for vintage bikes, though he knows, you know, they're not really... For everybody. When they find the right owner, there's a level of appreciation to them. And it's not just American bikes like Schwinn, it's the old Western Auto Supply Company bikes that were known as the Western Flyer. Um, there was all sorts of great stuff that you would see out of these eras of bikes. Uh, you know, chrome bullet tanks, you'd have headlights that were like powered by a D-cell flashlight battery that was a really weak little light, but it's still kind of this cool chrome torpedo that rode on top of the front fender. Um, it's really neat when you can, you know, resurrect something like this or at least get it into a state of preservation where it's going to be safe and preserved and enjoyed, you know, either visually or ridden. You know, and part of Chris's love of the old bikes, it's clearly appreciation for the fact they're American-made and that they represent this amazing level of craftsmanship you don't see in mass manufacturing so much anymore. But the love is also what I would call generational. Um, like me, Chris was born in the late 1960s. For a lot of us, uh, especially, you know, people our age, um, you know, we grew up in the era of America's suburbia where it was a normal thing on the weekends for, hey, you know, 
come back when it's dark, go ride your bike with your friends, turn the TV off, go spend the weekend out on your bike. And for a lot of kids um, growing up in the United States, it was their first taste of self-determined kind of freedom. It also gave kids like a sense of ownership, sense of pride. You would, um, you took care of your bike. Uh, it was your transportation. I remember being as excited for my first bike as like I got for a car. You know, I think that self-determined freedom concept, that hasn't really gone away. And um, during the pandemic, a lot of out-of-commission bikes were finding their way to the shop where Chris was working at then. They'd come in as trade-ins. With a little elbow grease and maybe a few new parts, he could make those trade-ins, you know, as good as new. Now, around that same time, he noticed there was a group of kids in the neighborhood. He, he knew these kids riding their bikes around near where he lives in North Kirkland. School was online, so, the, you know, the kids were out of school and they're out and about with not much else to do. Now, in this group, he also noticed a new kid who had recently moved with his family from the Middle East. But this kid wasn't on a bike. He was running after the pack of kids on foot. So Chris fixed up a little blue Trek BMX bike he'd just taken in his trade, put new grips and new tires on it. And I walked over to the kid's house that night and just knocked on the door. And the dad at first was like, what? And I explained to him in Arabic that I was the bike fairy. And I gave his son a bike. And the kid's eyes got huge. And the rest of it kind of snowballed from there because I watched the neighborhood kids teach that kid how to ride a bike. And then that kid's learning how to ride a bike. Well, then he's also learning English and he's also getting friends. And then when the schools reopened, um, it turns out like half of those kids that he'd been riding around with all through COVID were his new classmates. So I got to see that little bike actually help integrate a kid into his new life here. Yeah, and that, that was bike number one that Chris provided to the kid in his neighborhood. When I visited a few weeks ago, he was putting the finishing touches on the 104th bike he's wow. given to a kid so since, <laughs> since 2020. So we'll have photos at My Northwest and contact information for Chris, for Chris Sharp and Sharp Cycle Works at My Northwest. But just a cool little nostalgic thing. Look back. I mean, you, had a, you must have had a bike when you were a kid, David. I sure did. Did yeah. it have one of those tanks with the battery in it with a light it, on the front? No, it did not. Actually, my, my, uh, I can uh, relate to this because my grandfather was very handy, and he would take old bikes. He lived in uh, the city in the Bronx, and um, he refurbished them. Um, we, we were very uh, a very thrifty family when I was growing up. There was uh, I I never got a new bike, but uh, Grandpa refurbished a bike for me. Nice. Uh, since I didn't live in one of the subdivisions, but we lived on like a a, a couple of acres near a, a farm. There was really no place to ride it, so I rode it around the lawn. First thing to do, I'd mow the lawn. Then I got on the bike and ride around on it just to yep. check my work. But it, it, I, I do, uh, I can remember that that liberating feeling when yeah. I uh, finally got. Now that you thing. weren't wearing a little newsboy cap on one of these bikes where the front not. wheels ten feet wide, right? This no. is like this is in the 1950s. We're talking no, about. No, right? yeah, that's right. Okay. It was not, not the 1890s. Not the 1890s. Yeah, okay. yeah, thank you, Felix, for that. <laughs> All of Felix's features are at mynorthwest.com. It is 